This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Rapine along with Daryl Ryder. We are your beat writers for 923thefan and 923thefan.com. We're going to mix in a little bit of all three today. Some football, some baseball, and a little basketball as well. A quick reminder, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and every single podcast posted at 923thefan.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes so more Cleveland sports fans can find this podcast. It would be great if you could do that. We're a new up-and-coming rising podcast, and we want as many fans uh, as possible to check us out. But, uh, Daryl, let's dive in. Let's dive in because we have a lot to get to in a short amount of time. And uh, the Cavs were recording this on a Monday. They're going for three straight for the first time this season tonight. I don't even want to talk about that. I don't want to break down basketball. I don't want to talk about how Kevin Love looks pretty good or Colin Sexton's averaging 19 points a game. N- none of that. N- no one really cares about any of that of the on-court. You know what they care about? The results in the tanking for Zion. And it doesn't appear like the Cavaliers are tanking for Zion. It seems like they're going to win some games here late with 23-plus games to go. Your thoughts on the Cavs suddenly competing to win? They're in fuego right now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. It's it's fun to watch. You know what? I think that there's something to be said for establishing a culture. And uh, I've covered a couple games recently, uh, you know, in between you uh, covering them and you know, players are focused on winning. Like you just, you can't tell players to lose. You just, you you can't do it. Now, mm-hmm. you might rig your lineups a certain way or your playing time a certain way so that that ultimately is the end result. See the New York Knicks and Phoenix Suns, but um, you know, players are talking about wanting to establish good habits and wanting to establish the, the 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 right kind of culture internally going forward. I think that one of the problems the Cavaliers had the last time LeBron left was that every year they just they, they tried to lose or they didn't care about winning. And it took LeBron coming back and basically them fleshing out half that roster. You know what I'm, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I think that there's something to be said positively about developing those good habits, winning games, uh, helping your culture. Uh, so that like tanking doesn't become a way of life and mm-hmm. become like the organizational philosophy for years and for years and for years. So I understand the consternation uh, over that number one pick and trying to get Zion. Listen, the, we we've talked about it in previous podcasts, James. Yeah, I can't predicate the future of my franchise on blind luck, and that's what the NBA draft lottery is. It's luck, and so from that standpoint, um, they they've they've gotten lucky. Four times mm-hmm. since 2003. Sure. Got him. Um, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and Anthony Bennett. Mm-hmm. Three of the four were pretty damn good. Okay. One of them is once in a generation. So uh, I, I just, I, I'm kind of like a realist. I, so I, you're, you're happy that they're trying. I, yeah, I, 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 I am, I'm, I'm happy that the product on the floor is, is watchable. Fair. And I get that. And I I watched them on Saturday night, and they beat the Grizzlies, and they were watchable. And it was actually entertaining to cover a team that was watchable. I get all of that. Here's the path. You can that, be watchable and lose. That's the path. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened, and it's a game you covered, the triple overtime game against Brooklyn. Right. That's the blueprint. The Cavs learned from that game. 
The well, Cavs, the, the Cavs played well in that game. They went toe to toe. I don't know. It's a blueprint. They basically ran out of bodies and gas. No, that's the perfect blueprint <laughs> because at the end of it, Marquise Chris felt good about himself. Colin Sexton felt good about himself. That the team felt good about themselves, and they took an L. That's how. That's the blueprint, and that's what I need to see. Yeah, I need more hard fought L's. They play Portland tonight. <laughs> I don't want them beating Portland. I don't think that's going to be no, a problem. No, I don't think it's a problem either. It's the fourth best team in the Western Conference. But the point is, uh, and I think it comes down to they don't have to have the worst record. It, they need a bottom three record, and they're in that pack now. I like the fact that they beat the Suns the other night. You know, that, that, to me, that, that well, hang on. Oh. That, that was a good win to have because it, at that point in time, the outcome of the game didn't change their positioning either way. They weren't going up in the standings with the loss. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to fall in the standings with a victory. So that was a good win to put a because you need some positive. Listen, I covered the four and forty four Cleveland Browns. Okay, the Browns have nothing to do with the Cavaliers. It, 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 it completely irrelevant. It, no, it's not. It is. It, it's not irrelevant. How? Because be, here's why it's relevant because that culture of losing can really infect your locker room, and it's really hard to scrub that out of an organization. And it changed because of one person. Well, because of LeBron, right. Baker. And Baker. that One guy, Zion. You end up with the fourth pick and you get Ja Morant, or you end up with the third pick and you get Cam Reddish. Really good basketball players, really good college talent. You know what you're learning, though, here, too? But Kevin Love's a pretty good player. He's, and, he's and, very and, good. And you're seeing the impact. He's also 30. I, I get that. But they extend. They've already made the commitment to him. We've been down. We've had this conversation already. They've already. They're all in on Kevin Love. Whether you and I agree or disagree with it, that's immaterial. Mm-hmm. They're they're all in. I I completely disagree with it. Uh, I don't think that he should have gotten the extension this off season. Not because I don't think highly of Kevin Love. I just thought from a philosoph to your point, from a philosophical standpoint, if you're rebuilding, you. Probably don't want an all-star out there messing things up. And that's kind of what Kevin's doing right now because he's he's playing well. The, his teammates are feeding off of him. He's creating opportunities for his teammates. Uh, his teammates are getting opportunities for him as well. And that's why you've seen them win three of their last four games. And, you know, again, you're not going to tell – Kevin Love, not to try, not to play hard. Sure. You he, just, you, he doesn't care about Zion so or a ping you, pong ball. So while you and I and fans are all consumed with, with you know piling up losses, I do think that while the end result might not net what ultimately we would like to see, and that is number one pick so the Cavaliers get Zion you're, Williamson. You're already uh, conceding here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I never thought that the Cavs were going to win the draft lottery, even if they had the worst record. I, the year the the first year after LeBron, when they got Kyrie, that was the Clippers pick. That wasn't the Cavs pick. The Cavs pick in that lottery was actually number four, That's which fine. netted Tristan Thompson. Yeah. So, um, I I just I I think that the Cavaliers winning the NBA draft lottery is is somewhat of a pipe dream and unrealistic regardless of what their final record was going to be anyway, because the Cavs have already gotten so freaking lucky. Yeah, but that that doesn't have to do with this result. I get what you're saying. It's happened so many times, it can't happen again. What are the odds? All of that stuff, fine. But it already has happened that many times. Right. So what I think they need to do, and He's that's loose. fine if they play... They can play better than they've played because they were awful. From they were eight and twenty-three after they beat in, uh, Indianapolis. By the way, this, this is the last winning team they beat. It was Indianapolis, December eighteenth. Right. Since then, they haven't beat a winning team. 
So it's not like they're and even, that's okay. even three and one. It's not like they're beating winning teams. To me, if you end up with the bottom three record, you still have a 14% chance at that, that number right. one pick. But and he, you feel better about yourself moving into next yeah, year. Yeah, but, but here's the other thing. That's if, the if, best If, if you end with the fourth worst record, you have a 12% chance. So your percentage only drops down 2%. Yeah, but you have more. That The problem is on the back end of that. Is uh, now you're more likely to get the sixth pick and the seventh pick, and if what? you get stuck with one of them, then you're screwed. Uh, well, I, well, even then you're in, in trouble. Even at the third, even if you uh, are in the third slot with the third worst record, the worst you can you could slide down to is seven. So that's where it becomes pro. That's why everyone wants that worst record, mm-hmm. is because I believe with the worst record, the lowest you can go is four. And then That's the fair. second yep. lowest is five, and then the third lowest I believe is six. And if you get to six, seven, now you really are rolling. Don't the quote dice. me on that math. Now, I, I but, but it is I, in that I, range. I, I think yeah, I'm it's in a that lower ballpark. pick. Yeah, it's a lower pick, and that's that's my worry. If you can get. A Cam Reddish, it's one thing, but if you're dropping to fifth, sixth, seventh, and now you're rolling the dice on who, you know, who, who's it going to be? Yeah, I know. You know. The kid out of Indiana. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just there's a bunch of guys there. So to me, can we all agree, Cavs lose? But lose pretty. Lose pre- lose 105 to 103 on a buzzer beater by Damian Lillard tonight. Uh, against that, they need to lose to the Knicks later this week. That's a game they need to lose to the Knicks. I do not want them to beat the Knicks. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Knicks are not going to bring a premium premium effort. The now. Knicks beat by the, the way, San Antonio Spike, Spurs. Did you see? Did you see Spike Lee at the Oscars uh, Sunday night? Was uh, uh, yes. uh, I think Samuel L. Jackson was cracking on him because they they made the mistake of winning yep. and they sh- they they pay, they take the camera on Spike Lee and he's like, "We're trying to tank." Yes. We're intentionally lo- don't make fun of us. This is with them. It was just it was funny seeing that he's trying to explain that people were trying to tag. In the the one last thing we could do on this, everyone's rooting for the Knicks. I think to get Zion. I'm not. I, I really think no. Everyone from a national perspective. The New York the, Knicks are the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. The, or let me rephrase. The, the New York Knicks are the what the Cleveland Browns were from 1999. To before John Dorsey showed up, that's what the New York Knicks are. Fair, they're they, awful. They, they are the stumbling, bumbling, incompetent dumbasses of the NBA. And yet, people root against Cleveland sports, rooting for New York to be relevant again. Relevant again. National media doesn't want to see Zion in Cleveland. Of course not. I want that to happen, just so you could throw up the the one finger to to all the national people that are just to that piss off hoping. Charles Barkley and yeah, company. Yeah, I would love. I, I would. Bring him here because then you got Zion at Cleveland. The Indians are still you know relevant, what? which we're going to get to in a second. And then the Browns have Baker. It would make so much sense. Actually, you know what? If if Zion doesn't end up a Cavalier, I'd like to see him in Phoenix. Only because my best friend's a Suns fan. Phoenix, well, Phoenix would be fun with Zion. It would be a lot of fun. Zion yeah. works in a lot of places. But the problem Mainly is, is he'd just be another star added to that Western Conference. Like, the Eastern Conference needs something. Like, the Le- LeBron going to the Lakers just totally effed up the NBA. Yeah. Completely screwed everything up. It, the, the balance, not just the balance of power, but just there's there's like no talent left in the Eastern Conference. I think there's a lot of talent in the Eastern Conference. I'm but being a little facetious. I here. know, I know. A lot of people feel that way. Like Stop you do, though. letting facts get in the way of my sarcastic narrative. All right, let's let's buy into facts here. The Indians have three of the top nine players in Sports Illustrated's top 100 list. Uh, the Indians have a bunch in the top 100. I think it was six or seven different players that made it. Uh, and yet the the fan base extremely down on them. Obviously, spring training started over the weekend. Um, we'll get into the signing of Hanley Ramirez in a second. But overall, right now, are fans being fair 
to the Indians in, in, in the product that it appears like they're going to put out there uh, on paper going into this year. Yeah, I think so because, and we've talked about this, my bar is no longer making the playoffs and getting to October and, and seeing what can happen or, or winning the AL Central. And I don't want to diminish those accomplishments because that does do a little disservice and is a little disrespectful to the work that you know the team and the organization puts in. But my bar has been raised. Like the, the, the only bar for them to achieve is winning a world series. That's it. Like that's all that's left. They've won the division. A ton, I think nine times, nine or 10 times since progressive field is open. They've won the American league pennant three times since that ballpark has opened, but they haven't won the world series. They've lost two game sevens in extra innings like mm-hmm. that. That to me, that's, that's the standard of excellence. And that is a highly unfair standard. It's the same standard LeBron had his second go-around with the Cavaliers. It was win the NBA championship or the season was a failure. Not, hey, you got back to the NBA Finals, hung another conference championship banner on the Rafters, ended the city's 52-year championship drive. No, I mean, it's just the, his, his last two years, even with KD going to Golden State and completely changing the balance of power in the NBA to the Warriors' favor, um, you know, no one's going to talk about what a great accomplishment it was for LeBron James to carry the Cavaliers to the NBA Finals last I year. I think plenty of people out, talk uh, about out, it. Out, no, out, out, I'm talking about outside of Cleveland. I think people outside of Cleveland. I wasn't in Cleveland last year, and I thought it was an you know, accomplishment. Like you know, people aren't going to remember that in 2007 he did the same thing. That was. You don't think people remember that no, against no, Detroit? Out, out, outside of Cleveland, no. I, I, I'm I not don't. from Cleveland. I, no, I. I don't, and here's why. Because I, I watch the national shows, and all they do is say how much LeBron James isn't worthy of mentioning alongside Michael Jordan in the GOAT conversation because he doesn't have enough championships and, and whatnot. So to me, the standard for the Indians is unfair, just like it was unfair for LeBron, championship or your season is, is, is a failure. Like I think that's where we're at with the Indians. Winning The window is closing. The Lindor countdown clock is ticking down, and the the standard for me is win the World Series. Fair is highly unfair as that is. That's my standard. Even if they would have gotten Bryce Harper in the outfield, and even if they would have gotten insert what other outfielder, Dude, I don't they, think I don't think they'd be the favorites to win the World Series. No. Like I think they realized that their window was starting to close as constructed. Well, and it was going to close, and instead of Hanging on, which can really damage you. Right. They decided to move on. Now, they aren't as active as I want them to be. And I'll give you a name, and I'll give you a player in an, an exact contract that I think the Indians should have pounced on that they didn't, and it's it bothers me. The kid that went to Minnesota Marwin over the weekend? Marwin Gonzalez, $21 million, two years, signed uh, to the deal on Friday, and he can play shortstop. Perfect utility player. He can play player. outfield. You, you can put him... All over. Especially with Lindor's injury. It would Could have been play a gr- second. Would have been a he, great he was fit. my dream scenario. When Lindor went down, I wrote about it at 92-3. And, and I, I I thought, I was like, on the website, I put, if you could get him one year, $15 million. Two years at 21's right. a bargain. He has Scott Boris as his agent. I know, but. And, and, and so that is- to me, there you go. That's it. Especially when you see Tyler Clippard last week, minor league deal. Hanley Ramirez, minor league deal over the weekend. That's what they're doing now. They're not spending any more money. It will nope. be minor league deals, and then maybe, maybe they make a deal at the deadline, depending on how things go. They're, but that's it. They're back to throwing mud against the wall and hoping something sticks. And and this again, you agree this, with the Marlon Gonzalez thing, by the way? Yeah, I mean, that would have like, been perfect. 
this is the problem of having owners that don't have deep pockets. Um, is they I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I believe their payroll is going to be between 125 and 135 million dollars this year, mm-hmm. which is going to be less than what they spent last year. Significantly less. But here's the thing, and it's but it's it's it, for. <laughs> For for an organization that historically spends between eighty and a hundred million, mostly between eighty and ninety million, like you're talking one hundred and thirty million dollars. That's a lot. That's fifty million over their comfort level, and it's still not enough. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. They, and, and I, they, I see what and, you're and, saying. And they, and they just, I, I don't think eighty million is their comfort level. It can't be anymore. That's well, impossible. I'm just. It saying, hasn't like, been in how long? When's the last time their payroll is eighty million? Uh, it's been a I was, while. I want to say around 2014 or 15, maybe. But I, I recognize yeah. that the payroll has increased incrementally over yeah. the years, okay? My, my point is, though, is they, they have stepped out of their comfort zone to a point now they're just financially tapped. Mm-hmm. While your scenario was great, and I agree with you 110%, he would have been a perfect fit, the bottom line is is they just don't have the financial resources to be able to. $10 million? No. <clears throat> they, 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 they don't. They just, they, they're tapped, and it's unfortunate. I mean, this is what sucks about having them as owners, they can only do so much. They're doing the best that they can Marwin do Gonzalez with what they have to work with. And, could have and been dealt after a year, too. I mean, on, on that deal? Dude, like, I wouldn't be shocked I'm if the not, Twins trade him. Listen, I'm not fighting you on you? it. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm all in. Like, that would have been perfect. We agree on that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to explain. The the Dolans just don't have that those kind of pockets to where they can pony up another $10 million on this roster. What that's you, That's why they're having to go out and... Sign guys to the, what is it, minor league contracts with spring training invitations. By the way, I like the Tyler Clippert signing a lot. He's pitched 62 or or more innings. Yeah, there's a ton on him. I I like him a lot. I think he's going to make the roster. I think he's going to be a significant contributor in the bullpen. That's the one I want to talk about is Hanley Ramirez because I think he instantly becomes a candidate for that designated hitter spot. He's 35 years yeah. old, obviously has power, got designated for assignment last year by the Boston Red Sox, didn't get on anywhere last year. They still owed him like $20 million, so I get why no one picked him up. What now? What now? Uh, you know, Can he still contribute? I, I think it's interesting. I think that's a, a very interesting sign. You, you, you need an experienced bat. You need some power in the lineup. He does have some versatility, too, if you need him in the outfield, but he's 35 years old. Yeah. Um, or, or if you need him in the infield, excuse me. But I think at the DH spot, I think that's a pretty decent signing at this stage in the game. I do. Yeah. No. No. I, again, you're not going to get any criticism from me. Uh, I think that you know uh, the Indians right now they they are maximizing their opportunities with what they have to work with, and and I think that the front office is over the recent years since Terry Francona has been the manager of this team starting in 2013 I think that the front office has done a hell of a job I I, I think it's one of the best run uh, organizations in Major League Baseball especially considering their constraints and that you know we can't sit here and say hey I'll just throw another 10 million out there to bring in another player yeah. 15 like they, they they just they can't they can't do it right now so uh, understanding their limitations, I think that Chernoff and company are, are doing a really, really good job. Um, I'm just like, like I said, it's it's unfair for me. Like, I'm not criticizing the Dolans. I'm f- more, I'm more frustrated by their situation mm-hmm. than I am angry at them. Does that make sense? Like, they, those does. those can be two sure. independent thoughts here. Like, people yeah. have trouble distinguishing between them. Like. 
I, I'm you I'm understand not, their problem, right? I just it, don't like it. Sucks. It. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I get why they're doing what they they're doing and that they're trying to live within their means. Totally understand it. Quick yes it or sucks. no? If Francisco Lindor is here for the next decade because they're ramping up, like we talked about last week on the podcast, to keep him around right. and, and kind of um, retooling their roster and retooling their, their books and everything like that, if they're able to swing that, does it make this part of it worth it? Well, Or is it as simple as if they don't win a World Series, it's not worth it? Well, what would you say? They got six of the top 100 players and what would you say three of the top ten? Three, three in the top nine. You got you got to win the World Series now, man. Like I, I can't like right now. I have to be in the present, okay. And it, and and this is this is Chernoff's toughest job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Antonetti dealt with it. Mark Shapiro dealt with it. So your answer is no. John that's Hart, not good enough. No, I, I just I, you, I I'm right now. I'm in the present, okay. And I I realize they they have to balance the present with the future. They have to look at the 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 present need versus. The big picture, long-term view. Every organization in every sports, James, has to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But right now, considering where they're at, their window, the composition of the roster, the quality of the talent that's on the roster, okay, I I have to live in the present and go for it now. Because, okay, let's say they sign Francisco Lindor, okay, mm-hmm. uh, for 10 years or, or whatever, okay? And, and, and obviously and it would be tooling but to compete around him, too. I, I, I understand that, but... You're going to have drop-off in immediate talent. In other words, you're going to have to rebuild the team around him. So you're going to have to take a step back in the hopes that you'll take a step forward two, three years down the I road. I think they're doing that now is what I'm saying. Well, I understand I understand what you're saying. My point, though, is I have known quantities now. I have star power now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have elite players now. I'm not trying to... Yes, I'm trying to develop elite players five, ten years down the road here. You're worried about I, the I present. I'm worried about now. I I want to I, I want to try and win the World Series now because I think that they have enough core pieces in place to where they could do that. They just need a little yeah talent supplementation. They need some help in the outfield. I'm a little worried about the bullpen. Rotation doesn't scare me one iota. No, uh, rotation is the best in the game. I, I, well, I don't know. I'll say that. I don't know if it's the best in the game, but I'll say I it's. It. I'll say it's top three. It's a top three rotation best in, Major in the League game. Baseball. There's my hot take. He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Rapine. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat podcast. Up next, a little football talk because Daryl is about to jump on a train to Indy. I got mileage to put on the car. That's why we got to keep it short. We'll talk about the NFL Combine next on the Cleveland Sports Beat podcast. Welcome back into the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Erpine. He is Daryl Ryder. Daryl, about to jump on a train. Not a car. You're about to jump on a train to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. No, uh, I'm driving. It's le- not a train. Uh, it's not a train? No, no train. No, no. You're driving the train. No planes or trains. Choo-choo. Just nope. No planes or trains. Just straight automobiles. All right, all right. So straight right. shot down 71 and over so to 70. So how excited and- are you to watch these NFL prospects run in their underwear? I I never get that's my least favorite part of the combine. My favorite part of the combine is, you know, being able to run into as many people and uh colleagues and former Oh, oh look at you Browns. sucking up before they're here. Absolutely. Look at you. Oh my god. Oh, the, the the former Browns alumni convention that always takes place. Uh, you know, coaches <laughs> and executives, you know. You're gonna be say nice hi- to catch up with you're them. You going to say hi to you Jackson? 
Well, yeah, I'll say. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say. What do you mean? Don't don't be mean. I, I'm a people person. Don't be mean. I'm a people person. Just and, because and, he wasn't good here doesn't mean you got to be mean. And, and Andrew Barry's gone now. He's off to Philadelphia, so I'm anticipating. Quick reaction to that. Him. Sixty seconds. Does it? Matter? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I obviously it's a great move for him. It's a step up in his career. He's he is uh, one of the uh, more highly regarded up and comers within the NFL. He's going to be a GM or, or top football executive at some point here uh, in, in the coming year. So great move for him. Uh, I'm not really worried about a loss for the, for the Browns front office. And that that's no, that's no reflection of him. It's just John Dorsey has that front office. So fortified. I mean, you got Alonzo Highsmith, uh, Ken uh, Kovash is is there is a is a VP of player personnel. Let's not forget Scott McLuhan, the former Washington general manager, uh, is still a consultant or whatever uh, with the team. I think there's a chance maybe he could be brought on in a, a full time capacity. We'll get some more detail on that when we talk to John Dorsey this this week in Indianapolis. But um, great move for Andrew. Uh, but I don't think it's any reason for Browns fans to freak out. In fact, take it as a compliment for once. For once, somebody actually wanted somebody that worked for the Cleveland Browns. How about that? Look at you. How about that? They, I mean, the Patriots want all the Browns players anyway. Well, they yeah, but you, you know what I'm but saying. But the coaches, yes. Coaches, front office, exactly. Usually it's been the Browns that have had to poach from other organizations. Sure. And, oh, I, I got you. And now, for once, the Browns will lose a guy. So I, I think that, I, and again, that it, it, it's great for Andrew, but it's also a great positive sign. Mm-hmm. It, the, how excited are you to not worry about throwing at the combine? <laughs> I, think about it. Like, I, I mean, because obviously last week, um, Ohio State's QB. Why am I forgetting yeah, his Dwayne name? Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins says he's going to throw, and and now we're worried about Kyler Murray. And is he going to throw? Is he not going to throw? How tall is Kyler Murray? And that's on Thursday, by the way. So I want you to break that news. By, by the way, but by the way, if, by the way, is. if I tweet Kyler Murray's measurements, I should be fined. No, I want you to tweet him. No, candidate I, at seventeen, dude, baby. If he's there at seventeen, care. bring him to Cleveland. He can back up Baker. Instead, you want like a defensive tackle. The, the, the Quarterbacks qu- win championships. The, yeah, well, the Browns, I think, have the quarterback that can win them a championship. I know, I'm so just who, kidding. Who, but, but yeah, who you gives want a the, crap? You want defense. Are you, I bet you're excited to talk about um, defensive tackle weight in, instead of quarterback throwing I motion. I am. You are? I, is that it? Is yeah. that it? You're just leaving it there? I'm, I'm, I heard you say on Ken Carmen's show today with, with Anthony Lima that you were, or, or that you expected that defense was going to be. The pick. Or I also wrote about need. it today on the website. Thanks for checking. Th- there you go. 923thefan.com. There you go. Read what Daryl wrote because certainly I didn't. Um, yet, <laughs> I, ba- I basically wrote I today, we give, we, give two, we give no Fs about quarterbacks this year, and it is glorious. Yeah. But I, I do think the defense is going to be the priority in Indianapolis this week. I, and, and, and as I wrote today, uh, I realized that, Yes, they they still need to address some depth on the offensive line. Left tackle, obviously, is still something that needs to be solidified. Whether mm-hmm. that happens to be Greg Robinson or they draft somebody or they you know get Pay Austin someone. Corbett in the starting lineup and they do some shuffling, whatever they got to do, it's still something they got to address. And also wide receiver. Um, you know, uh, I think that they need to get somebody to help uh, Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway and company. So I think they need to get a number one. But. I don't think that those will supersede the need to beef up their front seven. Their front seven, outside of Miles Garrett, lacks punch. You know, 
Joe Schober, Christian Kirksey, they've been tackling machines the last couple of years. Okay? Solid players. They're right. solid. That's Absolutely. a good way to describe them, yes. I think. They're very good, solid players. Mm-hmm. Jamie Collins has shown you flashes of brilliance. Yeah. Fla- again, yeah. The, he's I'm just thinking you, about that money. I, I, I understand. But it's not worth the dollar. I don't think Jamie Collins will be a Cleveland Brown this year. I think that Agreed. they will cut him in March, not pay the roster bo- or, or you know, I think it's a roster bonus he's due possibly for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Bottom line, the guaranteed dollars in that extension that he signed have has been paid. So mm-hmm. they'll just take a two and a half million cap hit if they move on from him. But I think that it, either linebacker needs some more punch, and I definitely think that they need an impact. Whether that, I think they're going to go defensive tackle. Uh, I, I don't think that I think that they're prioritizing defensive tackle over defensive end. That's not to say that they won't look to address defensive end as well, mm-hmm. but I think defensive tackle is an absolute priority for them, uh, along with linebacker, corner too. But that's that's a depth situation. I I would be shocked that they use number seventeen on another corner. Uh, I, I really think it's seventeen or higher because I they have the ability to move up the board. I do think defensive tackle is their top priority in the draft. You know what I would say? And it's a really good spot to be in, especially when you have your quarterback and your coach and your culture of the future and of the present, best player available. If that's a if right. that's a wide receiver, if that's a defensive tackle, if that's a defensive end, if that's a linebacker, if that's a corner, you can plug in at any spot. And that's right. a good spot if you're the Browns to be in. It really is. And instead of, oh, is this the year they take a quarterback? Or are they going to wait on a quarterback? Or you don't have to worry you, about that at all. So this is a really good spot to be in. You never want to draft based on need. You never. know, all, all all the all the executives and GMs that I've talked to over the years, they always tell me when you when you get caught in a position drafting specifically for need, outside obviously of the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one pick, you're drafting for a need there. Browns did that the last couple of years. But outside of that, when you get caught in that, that's where you set yourself up to pass up on blue chip talent that can help you win versus just filling a hole because you have that hole sure. with who you believe to be the best player Especially that's available. Especially at to fill 17. Up. Right. You know, I mean, it's, at 17, but, 16 other teams have already picked. But here's my point, though, is so. I think I, I am projecting and guesstimating and, sure. and all those type of things. I'm guessing that when they go on the clock at 17, assuming they stay put. I think you, you I have think, to assume that. Right. I think Dorsey trades up to go get his guy, but assuming they just stay put and we'll have a, you know a month and a half to talk about and this. And I love draft. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a big NFL draft guy, so get yeah, ready. You'll 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 fit in in Cleveland cuz that's all fans care about here. Uh, well, that's the only thing they've had to care I carried about. Here. That, it's going to be. I carried that on my shoulders in Cincinnati. But I, Ask I, anyone. I I really think that at 17 defensive tackle makes perfect sense. Like that's the spot you take a defensive tackles was seventeen, mm-hmm. or you bump up and you go get a guy before he gets you know taken off the board. That's fair. That's fair. It'll be interesting. So make sure you follow Daryl on Twitter at Right or Wrong Fan to get his combine updates throughout the week. He'll be posting articles at ninety two three thefan dot com. We're out of here. Quick podcast. That's fine. You know what though? Use the extra time because usually we go about twice this length. Use the extra time. To leave us a five-star review on iTunes, subscribe on Google Play, Stitcher, or you can check out every single podcast, past podcast, at 923thefan.com. Follow Daryl on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at James Erpine. For Daryl Ryder, I'm James Erpine signing off. Thanks for listening to the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast.